You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Inside Healthcare. I'm Matt Brock. Today we feature Dr. Brad Ryan, NCQA's new Chief Product Officer. He discusses his role within the organization and how digitizing healthcare data can lead us toward better quality of care. We also talk a lot about COVID-19 and its impact on telehealth. So let's get started. Brad Ryan is the new Chief Product Officer at NCQA, and we welcome him, welcome Brad, and he's the first one ever, the first Chief Product Officer. Brad, tell me why you think it's uh, important uh, to have a Chief Product Officer. In the past, we've had some product development folks, but we're really, uh, as a company, beginning to really set our sights on some things, and does the sort of designation of a chief product officer lend to that? Explain the thought as you understand it from the leadership team in adding you to the team. Uh, yeah, I think it's a reflection on both where NCQA is and its history and, and, and future and sort of the maturation toward that as well as kind of where the industry is going. I think in, you know, and I'm not the pro on NCQA history, but I'm learning. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but from what I understand from Peggy and others who've, who've really helped create what, what NCQA is uh, today, you know, in the early days, um, because of where we were as an industry and, and from a technology perspective, a lot of what was created was built around um people and process and paper and services mm-hmm. and services businesses uh, can still have products. You can still resell similar services across customers and, and things. But as those those services and offerings mature and then importantly, as we start to think about how traditionally people and paper based processes are turning into technology-based processes um, and all the things that that entails, it starts to look and feel a lot more like a product management um, and product evolution job description um, than a services one. And that's not to say that NCQA is not going to do services anymore or something like that. It's just part of the evolution from to sort of people and paper-based to technology-based. NCQA is already on that path, and I think this is a signal that we're going to continue down that path. Um, And a big piece of of my role is is both with the current portfolio of products, which do exist today, uh, but with new products to help take them into that more digital technology-enabled space, right, and involve the, the existing portfolio as well as launch newly imagined products that help make quality um, better, more relevant, more timely, uh, uh, and, and more useful for clinicians and patients at the time of, of care delivery. And so you, a lot of those promises, um, uh, I think, speak to uh, the need for uh, building out product management and product development um, uh, and technology 
um, uh, capabilities that, that NCQA has been building for some time but, but sort of need to take their next step in maturity. It's an acceleration period. Is that a good yeah. way of describing it? That's a good summary. That's much more uh, <laughs> uh, succinct than my, uh, my long-winded version, but I think that's exactly what it is. This is a moment in time where trends are accelerating and were accelerating even before COVID highlighted uh, a bunch of both opportunities and current insufficiencies in the system and, and, and are really accelerating us in a direction we were already headed. So it feels like a point in time to double down uh, uh, both organizationally um, and from the perspective of our portfolio and what we all offer to our customers and how we lead them through those changes. And you don't come to this new position without uh, experience, extensive experience. Tell our audience where you came from, the things you've done earlier in your career, because it's certainly uh, impressive and uh, will play a role in this new role for you. Absolutely. Yeah, I think in, in many ways, um, my background can seem disjointed or even random um, if you just look at it on the surface. But in, in a lot of ways, the common thread uh, has been the same throughout. So uh, as a physician uh, with a background in engineering, computer science and math, it was very early in my career that I started to wonder how technology could play a role in helping up our game in delivering the best care to every patient every time through the intersection of, of sort of data and, and, and analytics, technology, and, and clinical practice and care delivery. And that's really been a thread between, you know, from, from leaving clinical practice to work in the business of healthcare and, and what we now call digital health through my consulting days um, around different parts of the healthcare system, but all kind of focused on that intersection around health IT and, and digital health. Um, and then at a big company, uh, IMS Health, uh, that, that sources and uses and puts a lot of healthcare data to work and understanding how all of that uh, uh, can be, how those pipelines work and how that data gets turned into insights that are useful. And then my time before this at a startup, um, uh, Apravita, that really is, my opinion, uh, a definition of a next generation of health IT or digital health company, which is all around um, technology tools that are enabling for healthcare organizations to help them accelerate down this path to digital and focusing on digital quality use cases. Uh, and clinical use cases, how to make data more readily available, uh, clinically relevant insights available to clinicians and patients that they can follow them around the different sites uh, uh, where they're meeting patients, where patients are engaging with their care, uh, and where decisions are being made as, are, as those are increasingly uh, beyond or outside of the, the traditional ones. And so, you know, the, the chance to join NCQA uh, for me well, is a chance to kind of come to the source of where a lot of the, the sort of fundamentals of, of these trends around, you know, how do we define best practices? How do we measure the quality of, of how we're performing against those best practices? And how do we 
compensate and incentivize uh, in new payment models around quality performance. It's a you know it's a full half of the the value equation, and NCQA has really built a reputation as um, the leader and the the de facto standard for what quality is in those in those value equations and the chance to help take something that's that's so ubiquitous and trusted um, in that space and evolve it in the direction that I've been working on for most of my career around you know how to technology you know, how to use technology to enable it to be uh, more real time lower cost lower burden more valuable is super exciting and in a lot of ways it's a it's it's a a long time coming uh, to be able to work on this um, uh, in a place like NCQA. How long do you think it will take before digital help? Right now, I kind of feel like it's on the edges, right? It's working on the edges. When does it really move in? And NCQA has to play a role in that. When does it really become sort of the critical mass that, that we're all looking for in the quality world? Yeah, and it, you know, it won't be like flipping a switch. Um, and in some ways, and for some purposes, I would even say it's already here. Digital's here, right? And, right. and that's, it's not, we're not done with the transformation by any means. We're on the beginning of a journey, but, you know, there's a lot of things that are wrapped up in the, in the idea of digital quality. So as an example, um, taking our measure specifications from a paper-based specification that needs to be interpreted by a, a, a computer, you know, by, by a developer, right, who writes code and takes the paper specification and translates it into a measure implementation at a given site. We can now provide those measures in a digital format, which is executable by a computer. Small step in the right direction, but that takes out waste um, in the system. It takes out burden and it increases our speed in being able to distribute those measures uh, in a way that people can consume and maintain more efficiently. That's only one piece of the puzzle, right? But mm -hmm. when we can start talking about collecting and using electronic data more readily, again, this is a place we've already started. We've been collecting electronic data as uh, administrative data out of claims for a long time. We've been collecting supplemental data um, from our, our plans that is electronic, things like labs and other. Uh, and we've, we've had this hybrid data collection process, which is largely uh, the, a mechanism for taking paper-based information about a patient out of a clinical record and abstracting it, digitizing it, but using a human to do that, right? And the opportunity to go, now that you know the industry has undergone sort of mass digitization of health data through the adoption of EHRs over the last decade or two, um, we have an opportunity to, to really increase the, the, the data collection in electronic form, um, decrease the burden of those manual abstractors and those um, you know, higher latency uh, data sources that where we get data after the fact. So increasing the speed, decreasing the cost, and ultimately, not at the beginning, but ultimately increasing the accuracy of the data. Uh, but it takes time. Uh, you got to start using the data for it to get better. So the, the combination of those two, being able to think about digital measures and digital measures that are, that are potentially you know, designed for use with clinical data from the beginning, 
They've been designed to align with best practices. And being able to use electronic data that's now being collected at, at the sites of care and in, in clinical practice, you can envision a closed loop. Now you can envision something that looks like real-time ability to get insights about how you're performing on quality, where you can perform better, maybe patient-level insights about what needs to be done uh, for a given patient at a given time. And you can get real-time feedback for the organizations who care about how their patients are faring. And uh, that sort of real-time feedback loop of, of digital, again, we're already starting down some of these paths. It's about bringing it all together um, and getting to critical mass, as you said, uh, to create that that closed loop that really is is what a lot of people in the industry will, will call the learning health system, right? The, the feedback loop that lets you improve, improve the best practices and improve the measures and see in real time how you're doing and, and how to do better. Um, and so, you know, we'll never, in, in some ways we've already started, digital's already here, and in some ways we'll never be done, right? It, it's, it's about enabling a learning health system that can improve over time um, and do so in a way that, that is much less costly, much more timely, and much more valuable to the folks that participate in it um, in their day-to-day -day lives. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, we're going to get to telehealth and COVID. I want to ask you about COVID, but before we go on, I want to, uh, you're a physician and you keep using the word burden. And it's not just physicians facing the burden, right? Talk to me a little bit about that burden that is a problem for people who may not understand what we mean by that. They think, well, these clinicians are paid. Well, you know, you got to do what you got to do, but it really is sort of a, a lot of work instead of just caring for patients, right? Uh, absolutely. Um, so as a, you know, as a quality advocate, um, let me first say <laughs> the insights that we gather from collecting and reporting on quality data and, and using it to improve are um, highly valuable and critical to sort of advancing the agenda of, of you know, providing the best care everywhere to all patients. That said, the way that we've gone about, the way we've needed to go about collecting the data, you know, when we started 30 years ago, we didn't have some of the options we have today. A lot of that data collection has, has been in the form of requirements placed on um, either providers to document, um, and in some cases it's physicians, in a lot of cases it's, it's provider um, uh, resources that sit around the physicians and have, you know, there's big portions of the industry whose job is documentation and coding. Mm -hmm. And it helps, it derives a lot of value downstream, but it's a heavily, um, people and, and people-based and manual process today in, in a lot of ways, not just for quality reporting, for right. for claim submission and for prior authorizations and for risk adjustment and for quality. There's just uh, a lot that we've done the hard way, right? Mm -hmm. And we've created, and, and not just in the quality space, but, you know, NCQA's created whole cottage industries uh, that are funded by our um, by our customers and partners in the, in the health plan space and sometimes, some cases the provider space around things like chart abstraction, 
uh, which is a manual process to go get data out of a, of a narrative record. Think of a physician's note where they mention that a patient has blood, a blood pressure reading of X over Y uh, versus it being captured in the, in the EHR, right? And so that person reading the note and coding up all the data is, is a burden, right? And it's a burden somebody has to pay for. And it just leads to um, some of the costs that ultimately gets, you know, distributed and attributed to the overall healthcare costs that, that we incur. And so, you know, I think there's burden up and down the line um, from our what we put on our health plans and what they have to do to, to submit their quality uh, uh, data and, and reporting to uh, to get their you know incentives and meet their requirements. Uh, it flows to down to the providers who are being pushed more and more by pl- health plans to do better on those metrics. And part of doing better is reporting better. And so they're having to employ people and put time against um, uh, reporting. And what we'd really like them to be able to focus more on is improving the care of the patients and not have to worry so much about the documentation. You know, in other industries, you know, my my credit score just happens, right? I don't, I don't have to go in and document it. But I have tools where if I have a problem, I can go in and see why and I can I can try to fix my problems, right? And respond to it, right. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of other industries that have, um, that have built out some business models that, that we can learn a lot from. But the idea is to help, whether we're talking about the payer side and the, the care management, disease management, pop health management uh, capabilities that they're building up, or we're talking about the providers themselves, what we really want to do is free them up to focus on the patients, and providing them with the best quality care possible and to you know, reduce and eliminate as much of the documentation and reporting burden as possible. And, and digital gives us a chance to do that um, in ways that as consumers we experience in a lot of other parts of our lives, but we're not uh, very good at in healthcare yet. Hmm. Uh, you talked about closing that loop. What would uh, what do you suggest the or what do you think the um, COVID crisis would benefit from a closed loop? How would it benefit, or would it at all? COVID has really um, created an interesting dynamic on this topic because, like so many things, it's shining a spotlight on areas that we knew were insufficiencies or, or um, opportunities to, to do better. But with something like COVID, it, it really puts it in the spotlight. So if you think of a, a traditional timeline for how a best practice gets incorporated into the whole quality system, right? So you have to generate evidence um, do the studies to figure out what is best practice, right? What works and doesn't work and what's the, what's the right thing to do for patients. You have to curate that evidence and, and, and have it go through some mechanism of saying, this is what we think is, is, is truly the, the, the sort of standard of care. That has to get distributed. In the past, that was often in a you know, paper, read journals or, or go to your, continuing medical education classes. More and more, it's becoming something we can help do electronically. And then begins the measure development and data collection process that over the course of often years 
gets defined because then it has to be distributed to those developers and those data uh, uh, terminology experts and, and data engineers to go implement it. And so that, that life cycle of getting a best practice um, distributed and starting to collect information to say how well are we doing on adhering to best practice and then learning how the best practice is influencing the outcomes that we're seeing in care, that's years-long process in the past. Mm -hmm. um, what COVID shows is, hey, we really need a way to do to be much more responsive and agile and to collect the data that's required to learn about these diseases and how effective we're being in treating them in a much more um, efficient, big scale fashion than we're able to do. So we knew we had these challenges and we knew we wanted to go to this place um, of having the digital infrastructure to do that, to, to do those things. But, but COVID just shines a, a, a light on it. And, you know, I can't tell you how many friends uh, and, 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 and colleagues and family members have said to me over the course of the last few months, I just assumed that we had the way to collect all this public health data. What do you, what do you mean we don't know how many cases there are? Or right. how do we, how do we not know what the hospitalization rate is in a, in a, you know, trustworthy, uh, from a trustworthy measure? How, you know, how is it that, that we can't figure out, you know, testing criteria and testing protocols and how, how those should be decided and, and roll that out at big scale? It seems like we should be there by now. And it does seem like we should be there, but we're not. Um, and so I think it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a tragic situation we're all having to live through. But all you can do, you know, I, I forget who said it, but never, never waste a good crisis. Um, all we can do is, is learn from what this shows us about how we can be better and start to invest in that infrastructure to be able to, to quickly um, and iteratively define, you know, computable clinical knowledge based on the evidence that can help drive electronic data collection and feedback to say, how are we doing and how is it impacting outcomes and how do we need to change the guidance and I'd love to be able to do that for testing protocols for COVID, treatment pro protocols for things like ventilator um, utilization and ventilator settings or staging and, and admitting or, or treating COVID patients in the home or admitting them to the hospital or doing things like anticoagulation therapy in, a, in standards so that we can start to learn. It's really hard to learn what's working when everybody's doing their own thing. It's a lot easier when you can at least know, you know, you may not be right, but you can at least know what's being done and what you're seeing on the back end and you can iterate. And that kind of infrastructure, I think, uh, is where, you know, we'd aspire to be for the next version of COVID or uh, in our regular, you know, chronic disease and disease treatment uh, patterns where we want that learning health system to be turned on all the time. Hmm. COVID has also uh, uh, sort of kicked uh, telehealth to the foreground. It has, not sort of. It has kicked it to the foreground. And NCQA has uh, worked on telehealth here and there. That's how I would describe it in simple broadcast terms. <laughs> here and there, they've worked on it. But now we as a company have made a decision 
there is a place for us there. And COVID brought that about really just because uh, a lot of practices who were reluctant to use telehealth in the past were forced to use telehealth to sort of survive and for their patients, so their patients have uh, have them. Uh, where do you see that? Where do you see NCQA's role in telehealth? And um, and that contributes to this data collection too, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So it's it's really both exciting and a little nerve wracking. Uh, to see how quickly and broadly telehealth has really exploded um, uh, because of, of the, the multiple facets of, of COVID, right? The fact that it is both uh, creating a, a pandemic and creating a situation where it's very hard to deliver routine and ongoing care in the traditional ways. Um, and driving not just provider adoption where providers might have been reluctant, but patient adoption where there was a lot of patient skepticism around, you know, changing the way that they engage with their physician and really just turn that over um, uh, very quickly. Uh, I think it's it's a great thing in, in the general sense that that we're accelerating in some, some ways that I think will ultimately help improve care and the convenience of care um, and the, the ability to provide it in a, in a much more sort of high touch and often asynchronous way than just the visit-based model that we've had in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's also, like I said, a little, it can be a little bit nerve-wracking to know that we're jumping in um, to a new way of doing things without um, uh, some, of the, some of the usual um, risk mitigation that we might have. So, uh, you know, questions like, um, is a vir you know, where is a virtual visit more or less equivalent to an in-person visit? Um, and where is it different? And for what, you know, in what cases is it, is it adequate or inadequate? Um, you know, where is you know, chronic disease management and remote monitoring really different from a visit and requires, you know, maybe a different category of, of telemedicine that we need to think about differently than, how we compensate and, and track quality in, in, in the visit, you know, based model. Um, where is telehealth really related to health rather than care, right? So, so helping keep people out of what we would call traditional um, care provision and, and keep them healthy. And do we have to measure differently um, to keep up with quality in a way where it's not about doing stuff, but it's about watching um, how healthy we can keep people if they're doing things themselves or with technology. So, <clears throat> you know, telehealth can mean a lot of things. And I think one, right. of the first, one of the first things that NCQA can do is help bring some structure to that. So, as you mentioned, NCQA is not new to telehealth and has a bunch of uh, uh, experience and, and knowledge about how that sort of breaks down. So, one, one area is some frameworks for, for how to think about telehealth. A second place that is um, uh, sort of a quick hit, right, is a lot of the, the telehealth modalities and, and engagement that we're seeing can be incorporated into what we're already doing at NCQA around quality measurement. And we're already doing some of those things. We've incorporated uh, telehealth 
codes into our measures, into our quality measures for collection. We've added new ones since COVID uh, to, uh, uh, to account for the new CMS codes for billing uh, for telehealth services. And we're going to keep doing that and, and sort of updating uh, what we already think of as our quality reporting and, and, and quality measurement and ratings uh, to incorporate healthcare or telehealth as it's as it's being used more ubiquitously. So that's an easy one. I think there's a second uh, set of questions around what we need to do that may be different. And what may be different is data is being generated in a lot of new places in a lot of new ways. Mm -hmm. It may not just be billing codes, right? I mentioned care that's provided by my phone or your watch um, as opposed to by a physician in their office. They're billing code for that. Mm -hmm. So we need to think about um, uh, how we think about data collection and how we think about measure design to account for um, telehealth more ubiquitously in the, in the future because I think most of the people that I've talked to don't believe this trend is going to reverse itself completely, right? It, it may ebb a little bit, but but probably uh, this is a one-way street uh, in a lot of ways for, for, for telehealth. So how do we adapt and, and offer new measurement and new data collection mechanisms that, that support it? And then uh, finally, um, how do we uh, how do we think about the policy that needs to be around telehealth for uh, both protecting patients and, and, and ensuring patient safety and reducing risk um, in this new, you know, and very um, uh, innovative space where there's lots of good ideas, but they're all over the place, right? And uh, making sure that that you know we know that we're delivering high quality care um, uh, throughout this transition, uh, and how do we update policy to reflect? the new quality measurement and, and, and uh, frameworks that we want to build out that the telehealth is going to drive. And so I think another role NCQA can play is uh, both as a, as a thought leader in, in the space, but as a convener um, of uh, the, the industry uh, participants and, and stakeholders and thought leaders to develop the policy recommendations that we hope can can sort of create some some broad standards and, and NCQA has a history of and, and can probably play a role in helping ensure those standards uh, and ensuring patient safety uh, and high quality care within those new mo you know, modalities. A shock to our system like COVID teaches us a lot about ourselves and, and the system that, that we're living in. And regardless of the industry or the the business that you're in, I think a good shock to the system is when you really test your principles, right? And when it's when the when the going gets tough, so to speak, right, is is when you really have to fall back on on on, on the core principles that you believe in. And I would just want to make sure it's it's out there that quality, while um, it can be a challenge in these times to, to collect the data the way we normally do. We're going to have to collect data differently uh, to update the way that we think about measurement, to, to take on these new challenges associated with telehealth. It can be easy to say, ah, we're going to deprioritize the things that aren't just responding, reacting to COVID. But I would say focus on quality 
care is more important now than ever. People with chronic disease still have chronic disease. And just because they can't go see their doctor or go to the hospital or have their elective procedure or afraid to go get their medication doesn't mean that we don't have an obligation to take care of those patients and figure out a way to maintain and evolve quality to meet their needs. And so, you know, I would, I would sort of say the final thought is um, it's more important than ever than ever that we that we stick to our guns on the importance of quality. And it's more important than ever that we start to build it in to the, the way that we think about these the, the new world, right? And I know everybody well, that's it may be. Right. I, I'd be, I know everyone will be sick of hearing the new normal, right? But right. but the way that we build quality into that um, into that new world is critically important. And it underpins, it's half of the value equation. Right when we talk about how we get um, uh, away from fee for service and start paying for value, and we have a chance right now to really build it into the new infrastructure, um, and that excites me. Even though we're going through tough times, it's an exciting thing to get to work on. Because it systemizes, it, it systemizes this whole process, right? It makes it routine. It sort of makes the response routine. To it, it makes quality a part of the response routine. I guess that's the better way of putting it. That we always, we never forget. We still have to do that, even though we're rushing in to help, and we, uh, we still have to keep an eye on keeping these records because the next time. Correct. Uh, yeah, do I have we, that right? We've, we've got to know, you know, we've got to know if we're doing what's right and where we're missing. And we've got to have if you don't have the information, you, you can't improve. Right. And so it's not just about the next time. It certainly is about the next time. But it's also about this time. Right. It's about right. these patients right now um, who need care in the face of a disrupted system. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you make it. Uh, so if you can make it routine, even in an emergency, yes. collecting this information, that's where you really want to be, right? That's the sweet spot. You you said it better than I did, right? The <laughs> you, you, no. know, you put you put these principles and you put these this infrastructure in place so that it's there when you need it, right? Which is right now. Mm -hmm. um, this is when we need it the most, so that it's so that it's routine, so that it's built in, um, and so that we can use it to learn in real time and get better and, and take care of people as this stuff evolves. All right. Dr. Brad Ryan, new Chief Product Officer at NCQA, thank you so much uh, for joining us here on Inside Healthcare. Thank you, Matt. It's been a pleasure. And that does it for this episode of Inside Healthcare. I'm Matt Brock. Before you go, if you're on an Apple device listening to our podcast, we ask that you give us a rating, give us a high rating, if you will, uh, so that we can move up and folks can find us more in uh, their search for information about healthcare. Again, thank you for listening. We'll see you again, no doubt.